Hey everyone, welcome to the Preacher Chick Podcast. I am Stacy the Preacher Chick and today is day 287 of reading the Bible together every day this year. Today we are reading Acts 17 and 18 as well as Psalm 127. Let's get going. After they passed through Amphipolis, such a Amphipolis, like amphibian, Amphipolis, and Apollonia, Apol- <laughs> I'm probably saying it right, Apollonia, Apollonia, there you go, Apollonia, so Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. I want to know why they felt it was so important to put three difficult city names into one verse. Anywho, so after they passed through Amphipolis, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures. So he stayed there for three weeks, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number of the leading women. Again, people want to say that Paul had a problem with women, but he clearly did not have a problem with women. So he had a problem, I think, with anyone who created disruptions in gatherings, but he did not have a problem with women. Okay, anyway. But the Jews became jealous and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. Attacking Jason's house, they searched for them to bring them out of the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And Jason was Jason has welcomed them. Listen, one of, an author that I have just grown to really enjoy is Charles Martin. And a few years ago, um, he wrote a book called What If It Was True? In other words, like, we believe that scriptures are true, but for those who maybe don't, like, what if the Bible actually was true? And then he wrote kind of a follow-up to that called They Turn the World Upside Down. <laughs> and I haven't read that one yet. I want to. I'm reading through um, some of his novels right now. But anyway, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And Jason has welcomed them. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The crowd and city officials who heard these things were upset. After taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. As soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. The people here were more of, of more noble character than those of Thessalonica, since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed, including a number of the prominent Greek women as well as men. I'm telling you, there it is again. But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowds. Then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshipped God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. 
Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? <laughs> I mean, gracious me, this ignorant show-off. Eh. Anyway, others replied, he seems to be preaching of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you are presenting? Because what you say sounds strange to us and we want to know what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And if you're my age or my generation, you grew up in church. You are probably singing a song. And him we live and move. Okay. Um, and even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, then we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art or imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, but others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed, including Dionysius, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Again, intentional to mention a woman or women and even use names. After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, boom, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When he, they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and told them, Your blood is on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, or Titius Justus, a worshiper of God whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent, for I'm with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. A year and a half teaching the word of God. I love it. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the tribunal. This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. As Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, 
If it were a matter of wrongdoing or of a serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you Jews. But if these are questions about words, names, and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of such things. So he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sosthenes. Say that one. They all seized Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But none of these things mattered to Gallio. After staying for some time, Paul said farewell to the brothers and sisters and sailed away to Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. He shaved his head at Syncrete. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right, but we're going to go with it, Syncrete. Because of a vow he had taken. When they had reached Ephesus, he left them there, but he, he himself entered the synagogue and debated with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he declined, but he said farewell and added, I'll come back to you again if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. Don't you wonder what his, what his vow was that he shaved his head? I'm, I'm just, it, it I'm just piques my curiosity. Anyway, now a Jew named Apollos, oh, wait a minute, I skipped a few verses, please forgive me. On landing at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church, then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he set out, traveling through one place after another in the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was competent in the uses of scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. I again, you don't. It doesn't just say that that Aquila took him aside. Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla is named first. This is huge, and then Aquila. Um, her husband, and they pull this man aside. They pull Apollos aside, and they they teach him. They help him understand. They they help. They disciple him. Okay, they they disciple him. He's on the right track. He's he's speaking the truth, but there's a little bit he's not he's not very clear on. Let's help the guy out. He's doing a great work. Let's let's help him do even better. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who, by grace, had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. And now we are going to read Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. There's a new song with it. If the Lord builds a house. Anyway, nobody can. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop. <laughs> Guys, this is my brain and this is what happens. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. In vain, you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he goes to sleep to the one he loves. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. I'm so sorry. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the son born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. That's it, friends. Come back tomorrow as we continue to read the Bible together, and I'll see you then.